Hey everyone, welcome to More Than Mises, guys. This is going to be a little side thing we're going to be doing here from here on out. Going over the original, well, at this point, original Marvel run of the comic book. And we'll see where it goes from there. Maybe we'll continue on to uh, later issues. Uh, so we are going to be starting with issue number one. And I'm here joined with Boo of the AxonUnderground.net. Hello. <laughs> so, man, I'll tell you, this is really... It was weird. I haven't read this issue probably, I don't know, 20 years. And yeah. it's it's kind of jarring how much, much exposition. It re reminds me of early X-Men comics. Oh, yeah. Or totally. You you basically have a narrator the entire time. Yeah, there, there's... In some of my notes, I just put wall of text. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much. There's more words on the page than there are pictures. Yeah. And, you know, there's some, uh, we were talking about this a few months ago, actually. There's some pretty heavy hitters working on this issue number one. I mean, artist uh, Frank Springer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the art wasn't as bad as I remember it. It, it, very, it feels very early 80s uh, comic book art. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. Frank Springer worked on Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Manhunter, Dazzler, a lot of other books. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were into the, the writers a bit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the plotter, Bill Mantlo, was a co-creator of Rocket Raccoon and Cloak and Dagger. Nice. Okay. He worked on Micronauts and ROM Space Knight, which, you know, those both have ties to Transformers. Yep. Okay. And with George Perez, he co-created Marvel's first Hispanic superhero, White Tiger. <laughs> nice. Okay. The whole reason Marvel got the Micronauts license is because uh, Mantlo's son got some Micronauts toys, his Amigos, <laughs> for Christmas. And he just like envisioned like these could be in like their own little tiny universe, which they ended up borrowing the, the term the microverse, which was first coined like in the 40s in the Captain America comic and Captain yeah. America 26. But he's the one that developed the microverse into what we now know as the quantum realm. Very cool. Yeah, when they stopped developing the Micronauts comics uh, for Mego, the, the Microverse was so tied into their IP that Mego retained the Microverse name. That's why they had to change it to the Quantum Realm. Nice. Now, all the Ant-Man fans will know that's it wouldn't have existed that way if it weren't for Micronauts. Right. Well, there's more to this guy's story, though. This dude has a crazy story because while he was working at Marvel, he was studying for the bar. <laughs> nice. And he passed the bar in 1987 and became a public defender in the Bronx. God, is, he, is he Daredevil too? Right? <laughs> well, it, there's kind of a, a bittersweet end of the story because in 1992, he was a victim of a hit and run while he was rollerblading and suffered Jesus. severe brain trauma. So he's had to be in like a healthcare facility, like full-time healthcare facility since. Like he, he's never fully recovered from it. My God. And, yeah, and his brother negotiated with Marvel Studios over the rights of Rocket Raccoon for the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So Marvel agreed. Basically, his health care is taken care of for the rest of his life now. That's nice. Because That's of nice. the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And Marvel actually uh, set up private screenings for him so he could watch the movies. Very cool. Yeah, so it, it's like there's a lot of ups and downs with Bill Mantlo. Okay. And then Ralph Macchio, who is not the karate kid. <laughs> I saw the same thing. I saw like, what? No. But they nicknamed him that at the at Marvel anyway. <laughs> because, you know, you're I not mean, getting away from that name. 
<laughs> but he started out as a fan who would write letters to the editor's column. You know, it was always in the back of the Marvel comics, the letter column. And he wrote a ton of them that got printed so much that they actually invited him to tour the offices. And he like hung out with Chris Claremont and stuff. And they ended up, they all liked him so much that they offered him a job. Wow, and that's... he ended up doing like Marvel two in one and Thor with Mark Grunewald. Jesus. And he was Denny O'Neill's assistant editor. And then finally became uh he was promoted to editor over uh the saga of Chris Star or Crystar or whatever Christar, you know the, yeah. Yeah, the Crystal Warrior, yeah. Yeah. And then Rom Space Knight and Micronauts. God. And then Denny O'Neill, who, you know, was his editor when he was assistant, is the one who termed he came up with the term anti that you'll see later. We'll go into that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he named Optimus Prime. He did the first uh, treatment for Transformers that Shooter rejected. I was and went ask, to Budiansky with that. Yeah, I was going to say, because I thought Budiansky came up with all the um, the concepts for in the names and such. But, turns out not. Yeah, he went to Denny O'Neill first, and Denny did some of it, and they didn't like it, and nobody else wanted it, so Shooter took it to uh, <laughs> Budiansky. But Shooter did a lot of the groundwork, too, which we could do oh, yeah. a whole episode just on Shooter wow. alone and Budiansky. He, he <laughs> flushed out, yeah, Shim Shooter and Budiansky, they... They really fleshed out all the tech specs, which was all the, uh, I mean, that was kind of the. The personalities. Actual, yeah. Yeah. That was. And this issue, we need a spoiler alert um, for a 40 you know, year old comic. This, uh, this issue starts out. They basically are reading off their tech specs when they're, you're, you're introduced to the different characters. Oh yeah. They, they went heavy into <laughs> just, Hey, here's this guy. Move on. <laughs> Cause it's, yeah. it's seriously, it's like a, a, usually like a two page spread of all the characters yeah. Like doing shout outs and roll calls. <laughs> I gotta say also, um there is a whole thing uh when you know early sci-fi in the 70s, 80s sci-fi, like well not to say early sci-fi, but early sci-fi for my growing up, Alpha Centauri was always one of those systems you always heard about. Oh yeah, they love to mess with the neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> and, Sure enough, man, uh, this this you know, Cybertron was, you know, found in the system of Alpha Centauri. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, changes that have happened over 40 years for Origins. We were talking about this a bit. Yeah. Where the Cybertron originally was a metal world. It was just a metal world world that all the life came from metallic, you know, robots or uh, workers, things like that. There was no... They just evolved from, like, it says gears and levers that just yeah. naturally occurs. Basically, <laughs> AI. I mean, look out for um, you know, Chad GPT. I mean, that's going to turn into a transformer. Right. But I mean, they they evolved of a completely metal world. Like all the life was metal. All the life, all everything about it was robotic and metallic. And they be, basically became a, a civilization that was that evolved from that. Yeah, they're more metal based life forms than yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, you know, the first few panels, it's only, it's, well, the first page, really, it tells all about this. So there's no organic, creamy center like Beast Machine set up. Yeah, there's no rocks or soil, even, it no. says. There's like, no, it's all machine. <laughs> Nothing at all. And, of course, you know, the cartoon, eh, I want to say the uh, comic after a while, it kind of it, it messes with all, all that. But right now, the exposition for this limited, you know, miniseries, the one through four, is this is a metallic world? That's all it was. The workers, I mean, they were had this nice idyllic idyllic society. 
where they had um, civilization like everything else. And they were all called Autobots. And uh, there was there was no there was no I don't know. There wasn't anything that that denotes life as we would know it. And that kind of plays into um, what we're going to end up with, you know, as we go into the episode. Oh, yeah. Issue. But, uh, you know, honestly, the way everything kind of begins, you have um, you have what would become the Decepticons starting out um, mm-hmm. at, at the end of this. And the first uh, the first Transformer to say anything in the issues is Ravage of all characters <laughs> the guy who never talked yeah, yeah I don't it, know. it's making out like an autobots for the first like like they were all autobots originally yeah they were, the they were made it was, out. there was really like i don't know if there was even you know needing of uh factions but yeah they would start off as all autobots but yeah you have um you have the decepticons well actually not even all of them. you have megatron Soundwave, and ravage from a precipice looking over the society and thinking and realizing and like Ravage is the first one to talk, and he um he just you know kind of like he I don't he says he's just very you know hissy about everything like you know they they want this world of you know kind of fall they want they want to change everything it's they become like stagnant of, yeah they, they exactly yeah. like the, the decay and stagnation is just sickening to him and it's funny because you know Ravage is notorious for not talking and he's the first yeah. one to actually speak. <laughs> First, first uh, Transformers character in the comic to speak is Ravage. This is the first Transformers character ever because this is the first piece of lore published yep. for anything. So the first Transformer to speak is Ravage. Yeah, <laughs> of all things. And you know, honestly, his loyalties are kind of in flux as they get into this issue. Like he's he's just a master spy, which really plays more into the the Beast Wars rendition of Ravage, right? So they don't really know where his loyalties lie, and he's just Megatron kind of threatens him even. Oh yeah, oh yeah. definitely. And I really like how they went on from this. You know, you have uh, the this is gonna it's not to be hyperbolic or anything like that, but the rise of the Decepticons is almost like the rise of the Nazi Party. They met in clandestine meetings to start, you mm-hmm. know, start developing plans. You know, like the this um, and it was it may have been on purpose. They may have like used that kind of thing as a uh, as a as a kind of a skeleton into building what would become the Decepticons and so on. They would like, they had like a, the panel shows a building with a Decepticon symbol above it. Like they, that's where they secretly met, I guess. Oh yeah. Well, there's a lot of cold war vibes too. Like it's a, exactly. a secret Bolshevik cell. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, or, you know, you could even say, you know, how, you know, apparently early Christians met uh, where the, uh, the, um, the, uh, I get what people consider the Pisces symbol. The um, the, the oh fit. yeah, the ichthus. Ichthus. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you was a lot of that. I mean, so they're basically meeting and forming plans, and then essentially they're the they first have to the, be transformers. Yeah. And they start they start um kind of working their uh their stuff towards you know weaponry and mm-hmm. um, you know, machines of war. Rather than you know labor and you know living real, real lives, and you know you, you first see Megatron, he doesn't even have a, have a fusion cannon on his arm, right? It's like that was something he, he developed as they're uh, they're trying to hone their uh, their whole message and what they're going to do, and essentially they have their their old crystal knock and um, they they go to war against the Autobots and they're so Autobots are so overwhelmed because they're not fighters, but they it says like some of them stood up and they were able to repel some of it, but. They were still fighting and falling behind. Oh, yeah, because it was a completely peaceful society up until yeah. this point. Like they say it was a mechanical paradise. 
Yeah, exactly. But you know, yeah. some people don't always like that. And of course, um, um, one great leader rises from the Autobots being Optimus Prime, and he's I mean, he's basically this this um he's this the symbol for the Autobots, and you know you don't really get that in the cartoon. You know, the the whole thing of the war, he just you you're thrown into the end of it really, mm-hmm. and there they leave the planet, and that's all you know. But with this, you know, you're the you're supposed to understand that this for a thousand years, I think it said in the uh, in the little you know wall of text. Now, what I liked in that the early pages there is all the almost characters you know, they're mm-hmm. like they're like I think in the like page one, there's like a not Optimus, there's a not Bumblebee, there's a not <laughs> Sunstreaker, not Hound, and not Trailbreaker. Yeah, and, and then later you see one that the fans have termed Big Red. Yeah, you saw Big Red, and he has yeah. like Trailbreaker's legs and Hound's head, and then just like some kind of miscellaneous parts for his torso and arms. And yeah. he's just like crushing like some flying Decepticon in one hand. <laughs> yeah, almost like this. He looks like the size of like you know Omega Supreme, but he's right. not. Yeah, there's a force perspective there, but yeah, he just looks like a big tough guy, and we've got like nothing on that dude. Like <laughs> nobody did anything with him. <laughs> yeah, Megatron's whole thing. He was um. He eventually Megatron finally gets the look. He's you know originally supposed to well. He has the look he originally had in the early ads for the um, for the toys and the uh, and really the uh, the blue was that the uh, Bluebird books or what are the what are the name of the company? Is it Ladybird? Ladybird, thank you, Ladybird yeah. books. Yeah, uh, how he has a black helmet. He actually has a head that looks a lot like Browning. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, really big eyes too. Yeah, almost like big shades, almost like that. Um, that. That 70s, 80s, um, you know, superhero big shades, like almost like yeah. class man. Right. Yeah, these big goggle looking yeah. eyes. But he has a huge fusion cannon. That fusion cannon is like half the size that he is. <laughs> so yeah. You know, his whole thing is he wants to talk, uh, turn basically conquer all the Transformers and turn Cybertron into a giant dreadnought, like a war world, and right. fly it through, taking it for other, you know, systems and whatnot. Which, you know, that comes up much later in the series. <laughs> but it was originally yeah. his plan yeah um you know it took you know uh who it took who to bring that to bludgeon to, bludgeon really yeah i think it's really bludgeon yeah. yeah it was bludgeon you're right and uh so yeah it takes a toll on the autobots until office Ryan rises up and unless it kind of leads them in this war and he never appears as a ryan pax that ryan right. pax was something that came completely from the show and man, his alt mode is so ugly. Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> it. It looks like he's a half transformed nothing. I mean, that's a it's just a mess. And the wheels look like he's supposed to have tank treads, but they right. fall. <laughs> he's yeah. got his, his rifle on top like a tank um, tank turret. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's really weird. They were trying to do the something. closest thing I could say it looks like is uh, is it gasket the little car that came with uh, Fortress Maximus. Um, kind of. And the way the wheels stick out, if you put like Optimus Prime's gun on top of gasket, kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of what he looked like. That's the closest thing. Yeah, yeah, really. God. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, the Autobots kind of get their their footing and whatnot, and then they uh, they're you you kind of the the work kind of you know kind of goes both sides for a while, and they. It, it's they start to rebuild cities and get like sanctuary cities and, and stuff on Cybertron. 
And then the Autobot astronomers warns Optimus Prime about the path of Cybertron. They're like, it's hurling towards this asteroid belt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I wonder where that and, is. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> you get you know, so right here. There's always this question during the original show, you know, the G1 show that is Cybertron a rogue planet? Is it in a system? What's going on? But yeah, essentially, it's a rogue planet. It's just hurtling. Yeah, through. it got. It says it got sh- shaken loose from its orbit from their war. So yeah, whatever they did. It's the size right? of Saturn, by the way. I forgot to mention that as well. Oh yeah, it's it's huge. It, 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 I mean, you really think about it, the uh, the size of the Transformers compared to like our size, I think that's what they're trying to do is kind of give it a uh, relation to it. Yeah. So, yeah, you have something about the size of uh, uh, Saturn. And I guess and, since it's all hollow, that it's not as dense as like a real planet, that a metal planet would be that size. Maybe, it's, yeah. It's like an onion. It's got layers. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Optimus has the Autobots construct a large ship that can lead an expeditionary force to take out the, the uh, asteroid field. And the ship is dubbed the Ark. So you know, they never really call it the Ark in the show, but here it's called the Ark. Yes, yeah, dubbed that. Did you check out that Autobot Elder that looked an awful lot like Alpha Trion? He did. He did. But <laughs> it was it was like the Elder or so much, or, or was it a um was it that he, you know, I, I don't know. He was on a, he's like the Autobot astronomer. Right, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he kind of had that Alpha Trion look, but then again, one of those things where you do you kind of fit in like where they would look, you know, kind of close to Alpha Trion, or, you know, is it supposed to look like some older... It was older... just an old man robot, but... Yeah. It, I mean, it'd be easy to make that connection, even though yeah. you know they're probably not connected. No, not at all. Yeah. And then but there's uh, that gold robot next to Optimus, which, you know, looks like it could have been a prototype for uh, Emirate Zeron. That's what I was thinking when I saw him, actually, yeah. Yeah. That's probably where they got him from, honestly. Yeah. But after that, uh, probably at the UK comics, I'm like, hey, look, this get this random guy. Right. So, unfortunately, like everything in the show, Ravage is listening in. <laughs> so, you know, they can't get away from spies, and he is the master spy. So, of course, he's listening. He's doing in. what Laserbeak does in the Sunbow cartoon. Ravage. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, like on, on board the Ark, the Autobots, they refer to them as the Sons of Cybertron. Mm-hmm. And I don't, that, that just, I don't know if that it comes up again. But yeah, I don't uh, think it does, at least not in the US. No. So they uh, they worked a clear path to the asteroid belt. I mean, there's like there's huge guns on the ship. There's like a one of the transformers out there on the deck of the ship, you know, just shooting a huge rifles. Did asteroids. you see what the gun behind him was? No. It was like Ratchet and Ironhide's little treaded platform. Oh, nice. Like the, okay. the yeah, the back half of the toy yeah. was part of the weaponry on the art. That makes sense. Yeah. By the way, um, that's, that's another thing. Like they went completely off of uh of toy designs. Oh yeah, they were straight up toy. Even Bumblebee has like the visor and mask, and yeah. Luckily, no heads for Ratchet and Iron <laughs> Which you know what, man, I like it. I, I always I always like that uh the original form. Some people will make fun of it, they don't like it, but I mean I I dig it. I think if they had stuck with that design. It wouldn't bother people as much. It's because no. most people saw the cartoon first. Yep. And then they saw the toys and they didn't look anything like it. But if they'd yeah. always look like that, I don't think there would even be a problem. Exactly. And yeah. I love it. They're uh, so Optimus reference that they'll be passing close to a third planet in a certain solar system. What are that? Is. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. And they thought it was a lifeless world. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I mean, at the time, the way they considered life, yeah. Right. It, it's not life as they know it, Captain. <laughs> the Subdecons <laughs> launch a surprise attack. Who saw this coming? Which the Abbas retaliate, but, you know, they're so low energy because they apparently they've been using all their own energy to destroy, you know, asteroids. To oh, help and path. just as Optimus was announcing that they need to make peace with the Decepticons. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, we need to go home and make peace. Like, he had this big cosmic moment. He saw how big the universe was. Yeah. And then as soon as he decides that, Megatron attacks. <laughs> and they, so, yeah, they're, they're fighting and, like, Prowl's like, you know, prime. We they have like a 3.7 percent chance of actually surviving here what do we do this <laughs> is like well we're not gonna let the arc fall in their hands we're not gonna let any of our technology fall into Decepticon hands we're gonna take and shoot the, the arc into the third planet we're gonna kill everyone optimus rage quit he did, he did. <laughs> he's like you know what they can't have it we're done with this uh yeah he, he reset the console <laughs> they uh they, they fly into the third planet and crash into a volcanic mountain. Weird. Where is that at? Yeah. Oh, and, and you want the geographic location? <laughs> I know exactly where it is. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> Mount St. Hillary? Hillary in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, Mount St. Helens is in Washington, but you know. Yeah, that was their analog for it since Just it was enough. big in the news. And so it's basically it's essentially Mount Hood in Oregon or Mount St. Helens in Washington. And they and, probably uh, just merged the two. Yeah, pretty much. And the yeah. art crowd, you know, they sits there for four million years until there's a jolt. There's like a like a rumble in the mountain, and the the arc wakes up and um all the uh, hatches start opening us, all the lights start coming on, and it sends uh, a satellite up into the sky to look for intelligent life. But because it's something that's that's being brought up on, you know, mechanical life being intelligent life, it starts scanning all these different uh, forms. And it can't tell. Apparently, it's been sitting there so long, it can't tell the difference between, you know, friend or foe. Right. So it starts just like repairing everything. It's and got corrupted memory. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that, uh, that, that disc sat too I, close to a magnet. I like how when it passed over the forest to the probe, it just looked like Tron. <laughs> it did <laughs> and uh so yeah it, it kind of like tries to fit like forms that would go fit like what he already has to work with or it has to work with yeah like and if they had a flying form then it picked like an airplane form you know if yeah. they had a ground form then it picked the truck yeah so yeah basically it goes and like finds all the weapons of war and turns all the septicons into weapons of war and it finds all <laughs> great the, idea yeah finds all the <laughs> lame uh you know 18 wheelers and trucks and you know, sports cars and turns all Volkswagens. Yeah, VW Bug. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. And it, it doesn't register any organic life forms at all. Like, it doesn't no. recognize any of them. Yeah. So, you know, they, they all get rebuilt. The, uh, was the, um, what was the uh, name of the the uh, the rebuilding thing in the Optimus Prime's trailer? Auto. Oh yeah, they're calling it Auto Launcher now. Auto-launcher. It wasn't called that then, but that's what I've heard the uh, dev team, the designers, calling it in their live streams. So yeah, the uh, the Auto Launcher is that uh, that piece in Optimus Prime's trailer that's attached to like a like a like a almost like a hook arm that comes up and has like a claw on the side and a red dish on the side. And just takes them and starts ripping apart the transforms and rebuilding them and re, re- welding them essentially in the trailer mm-hmm. and rebuilding. So it rebuilds all of them. And, uh, you know, Decepticons 
are all like, I am Skywarp and I will fly, fly into the middle of all of them and wreck all their plans and I am Thundercracker. Oh yeah, they all they all reintroduce themselves to you know the people they already know. Like, have you seen my tech spec? This is what I do. Uh, and it does the same thing with the Autobots. And, and but yeah, they both wake up at the same time, unlike the Sunbow cartoon where the Decepticons woke up first and you know Optimus is accidentally revived. They both wake up at the same time. Yeah, and the um and God Huffer, I guess, is the ship engineer. Yeah. Which, at least they gave him a job in this because I can't stand him. He's insufferable in the cartoon. Well, and if you look at him, the way they've got it laid out is the Autobots, they were picked for, you know, clearing uh, the path to the asteroids. So you had yeah. a regular ship's, ship's complement of, like, engineers and workers, and then you had, you know, your fighters that were there to break rocks. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Whereas the Decepticons are just like, oh, we're pirates. We're here to, you know, board you and steal all your stuff and kill you. <laughs> That's why it's like, well, I'm gonna go pull up, use my pile drivers and stuff. Like <laughs> half the time I forget Sizewipe has pile drivers, but they tell you first issue, like, this is what I do. I got pile drivers. I'm gonna go pile drive some rocks over here. And uh, Ironhide's like, I have really thick skin, but I'm really old. Um, that's <laughs> they run down the Ironhide is on his his sled platform. Mm-hmm. He's just hanging out on that thing. He's like, "Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm old and crotchety, and uh, I'm gonna go. I guess I'll fix the hull of the ship." He's on his motorized scooter because he's old. Just <laughs> <laughs> <His> hover around. <laughs> like Bumblebee's like, "Yeah, I don't use very much fuel at all, so I'm going to be very efficient, and I'll go scout." Right. <laughs> Ron is like, "I don't care how much gas I use. I'm going to beat someone up." The clip driver's like, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> Oh man, and and then the the computer auntie, as it's called auntie. in this one issue of the U.S. It's not mother. Like, programmed it's them all with information on Earth's resources. So even the Decepticons, like it gave them all the information they needed for resources. Yeah. You know, so when in, in episode one where the Decepticons wake up, like ah, oh, this world is rich in energy. They didn't need to like scan anything. The computer's like, hey guys, here's all the energy. Good it luck. had the world energy chip already plugged into all of them. Yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> and also, I, I love this. So all the Autobots sit there and they're silhouetted while they sit there for hours and watch TV to learn about the world. Right. Well, it's and they're like, shocked because they thought it was lifeless and it's covered with the machine. So they think, yeah. look, at it's teeming with life and Optimus has his first guilt trip. <laughs> we brought the Decepticons here. Crap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it's like it's like essentially what happened in the 2007 movie. Like we learned from your internet. Yeah. Oh God. We've got to protect all these Chryslers and Fords from Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah. So it, and even like they they so they look all like their toys. Even Huffer's got the claw arms and the weird thing over his over his head. So oh yeah, Bronze got like those weird like C shaped hands. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very Robbie the robot kind of hands on the Autobots. So all the Decepticons are just like ringing for battle. Do you remember Video Man from the old Spider Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon? A little bit. He was like, yeah, that's what Bronze Hands always reminded me of because yeah, he, he was like a weird like two D villain. Yeah. yeah, that's what Bronze Hands always reminded me of. <laughs> so we find the Witwickies. They live in Oregon, but I gotta say. A spark plug's name actually makes sense because he has a garage. He like right. repairs cars. He's not a guy on an oil tanker with his 15-year-old son on an oil tanker. And 16 other jobs on the side. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> not like a journeyman for every other job in the world. 
<laughs> but wait, it's not Spike. It's Buster. And Buster is the most early 80s comic book name kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might as well, you know, call him, you know, uh, you know Archie or something. But Buster. Right. Yeah. And so, Jim Shooter came up with the Witwicky name. It was a name of a kid he knew, like, from, like, back in the day. So he named oh, it nice. after, like, an old friend of his. So, you know, Buster is a smart kid. He uh, he wants to, um, I guess he he's trying to get on these scholarships, scholarships for uh, college. Spark plug, you know, wants him to be uh, like a mechanic. He wants to learn how to win engines work. And he's like, Buster's a nerd. He is. He is. <laughs> and he, like, and spark plug, like, he's like, I want you to learn by living, not just reading. Yeah. Get your nose out of those funny books, kid. Yeah. <laughs> he's like every comic book reader. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So we, we go to the Autobots who are going like a bat out of hell down the uh, down the streets. And there's a hiker who's coming off Mount St. Hillary. And the, <laughs> the joke here is they're looking for Earthlings and they almost hit the hiker. Oh, yeah. They don't even notice the dude. <laughs> he's like, there could have been oh. a hit and run and they would have just kept going. Well, stick my thumb out. No one's picking me up. And also he's like, I hear like a really loud car. There's like a fleet of cars come by. And there's just no drivers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, with Prowl right in the front, too. Yeah, like exactly. the police car almost plows him down. <laughs> and, man, they are pissed off. Braun and Cliff Tripper want to fight something. Prowl's like, no, no. Optimus said we should go scout and learn what we can about this world and their life inhabitants. Like, come on, man. We want to fight. Like, nope, nope. Those guys are psychopaths. They, <laughs> they are. just want to kill something. They are. <laughs> um, so I totally get that from Braun, but um, I guess Cliff Jumper. Well, you know, Cliff Jumper, his, that was kind of his personality in the show, too. Like he's the one who wanted to shoot Megatron the first chance he got. Right. So, so yeah, they're like they're looking for Earthlings that almost hit a guy. And <laughs> so the Septicons are told by Laserbeak that the Autobots are trying to create an alliance with the Earthlings. So of course they go to stop them. Oh yeah, they're afraid they're gonna make friends with you know the Fords and the Chryslers and yeah. but the joke <laughs> of this is all the uh, Autobots they they come out to this like little like you know overlook and like oh there's a drive-in theater oh no they don't they see a drive-in theater but they say like they're all there in front of this big screen with a projection yeah. on it what's going on here they don't understand like all the cars it's like if someone came over and like they saw the movie Cars with you know with, in a movie theater like all they're all like watching it that's what they assumed. So there you well, go. They go down there. They thought it was a religious ceremony. They thought all the, the cars were going to church. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the thing is, like the woman that is at the at the desk of the at the you know entrance, she's like, you pay per head, and there's no car, no uh, no people in the cars. They just drive right through. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of little in jokes there. There are, there are. Yeah. And so they are all there and the Decepticons attack the drive-in theater. Oh, I actually before that, I'm sorry. Bumblebee bumps the back of Buster's car. Oh Buster yeah, looks, he rear ends him. He looks like he's driving a freaking Chevelle or something. He's got a pretty like yeah, heavy looking car. So he bumps him and he's worried that his dad's gonna kill him because he has a fender bender. He gets out and goes, There's no one in the car. He must have rolled on his brakes. That was probably Spark Plug's loner car. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> it's probably like an old beat up uh, you know, uh God, well, I'm trying to think Crown Vic or something, an old one. Yeah. Oh yeah, and <laughs> And Buster's making out with his girlfriend right in front of his buddy, O, who's a third <laughs> wheel. Like, and him and Jesse are there just making out right in front of him. Yeah. Like, and he doesn't disengage? seem very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to disengage so, uh, you know, we can I can enjoy the movie? Right. And, yeah. He's not Nobody wants to be that third wheel. No. no. Yeah. At least let him in the front seat and you guys get in the back so he doesn't have to look at you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> watch the bad movie. Come on, man. 
So the Decepticons attack. Of course they do. And um, okay, they do a lot of heavy lifting with the um, the exposition right here. So during mm-hmm. the fight, we just established the Autobots can't fly. The uh, Starscream is a usurper. Mm-hmm. And what a glass gun actually does. Oh, yeah. Is, so, yeah, the glass gas gun. Glass gas gun, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we you hear about, like weird guns and stuff that the uh, the Autobots have, or the Decepticons have too. You hear, you know, Starscream uses his null ray a lot. Um, you know, Wheeljack uses his uh, grenade launcher, things like that. Yeah, they always like announce what their gun is. <laughs> so, my glass gas gun, like, cool. It's just it shoots things. Okay, no, this is actually kind of cool. It's kind of debilitating. He shoots the uh, the the seekers. And basically makes their uh, the metal of their skin brittle, so it starts breaking apart, and so their wings are crumbling and stuff in there. So I mean, right there, that's that's a pretty debilitating weapon. Oh yeah, of course it probably gets uh, you know nerfed pretty much pretty, pretty quickly because well they can't have one guy doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> the, so the smallest guy there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so we now know that all of us cannot fly, no matter what the cartoon actually had, and. uh you know, Starscream being, uh, they say like, you know, hey, Starscream, we know you're going to, you know, you hate Megatron, you want to take over. They say it right there. So, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, they don't even give any evidence. I would have rather have seen something like Megatron, like, or Starscream be like, yes, Megatron, but I can do it better. No, they don't even bother with that. Well, you know, one of the weird things they did in the comic compared to Sunbow is like not even all the Decepticons could fly. Like if you didn't have a flight mode, you couldn't yeah. fly. So like Megatron and Soundwave couldn't fly on their own. <laughs> I think it's the next issue, or maybe the third issue. Like the the uh, jets land and they dump Megatron and Soundwave and the tapes. Out. Yeah, they have to like ride in their cockpits and stuff. Yeah, but that um, that's another issue. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like issue three or something. It does that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, oh, and Ravage gets scared off by Hound's hologram. That's right. <laughs> he shoots a fake missile at Ravage, and Ravage turns tail and runs. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, there's this whole fight going on, and then like they they all take off, and they can't find Bumblebee. They're like, well, obviously Bumblebee is probably smart, and he left early because oh yeah, can... well they saw him get injured though. That's the worst part. Yeah. They said, well maybe he wasn't hurt so bad. He left early. Yeah, and when he got shot by the Seekers, uh, Buster heard him yell. Mm-hmm. He was going to chew him out for rear-ending him. Yeah. And so he knows there's something up with his car. But yeah, Prowl and all of them just bail on Bumblebee. <laughs> he's wounded. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, Buster gets in the car. He's like, well, there's, there's no ignition. There's no pedals. And like, well, it's going. I guess I'll just guide it. I just He's like, he's steering it, but it's just going. He's like, oh, well, I guess we're doing oh. this now. And that's why they bailed because they saw all the people getting out of the cars and Prowl realized that the machines weren't the yeah. dominant life form, it was humans. And they're like, oh, wait, we got to go tell Optimus everything's wrong. So they just <laughs> we wrong. leave. Yeah. yeah Never we mind, were... Bumblebee. This is more important to tell Optimus that there's little squishy things. Yeah. <laughs> we were way off. Yeah. So, you know, Sparkplug wakes up. He's like, and I love it. He's like, what the deuce? <laughs> <laughs> Who says that? Besides, like, Stewie. I was going to say, it reminded me of Stewie from Family Guy. <laughs> and also, d- when Buster left in Bumblebee, he bailed on Jesse and O. He left his girlfriend yeah. and his best friend in a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> the old beat-up Crown Vic, man. That's like cool. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so he drives back, and he takes it to the garage, and he's got Bumblebee up on the on the lift, and Sparkplug has his moment. He's it's like, such a proud dad. You finally hit. Look, man, it's cool. 
you didn't want to tell me. I won't get in your way. But I'm so proud of her. And I said, but, but dad, you don't understand. It's, it's like talking. It's like, no, 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 son. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, I'll, I support you. And then, you know, oh, yeah. Bowlby is like, oh, help, I'm dying here. Oh, yeah, he speaks English. He's the first one to speak English to a human. Yeah. But, yeah, it, like, Jesse and O are like, we got to get out of here because the Decepticons, when they shot at Bumblebee, they blew up Sparkplug's car. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good thing you got a, uh, I guess, a replace loaner. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the little the little chin punch that uh, Sparkplug did when he saw Buster working on the car. Oh, you're just like a chip on off the old block, buddy. So proud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Buster opens up the uh, the back end of Bumblebee. He's like, this doesn't look right. This is all wrong. <laughs> what is yeah. this? So and, you, you know, know yeah. you, you see a lot of stuff that they used in later, like in the movies and stuff. Like, oh yeah, it was Charlie. Like they almost recreated this scene with Charlie and Bumblebee. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's it's um. There's a lot of nods like they. The one I reread this because, like I said, it's been a couple decades decades since I've even looked at this book. By the way, that's one of my favorite covers the uh, the the uh, the big you know Optimus Prime, and then you have this uh, spark plug looks like. I don't know. He looks he looks like an old actor. I'm trying to place who he looks like, but it's a really nice looking cover. That's almost like a very faded out look. It's oh yeah, like, it's, a, it's a painted cover. It is. It is. Yeah, but it has a very a very much like an old, um, you know, I don't know, old actor from the 80s. I'm trying to place who it is, but uh, yeah, it looks really it's a really nice looking cover, and um, they you could tell that they took a lot of things from this like. I am the first to tell you that I think the 2007 movie is not great. Well, I won't be the first to tell you. you brought, <laughs> the same thing, but uh, you could tell that, that before. So, yeah, you could tell that <laughs> someone read the old comics, and they they got some ideas. Like they did some kind of nice, they did some nice. Um, I don't know parallels from this. So, oh yeah. It was kind of nice to see that. You know, it made me feel a little better about the 2007 movie. Well, even in Rise of the Beast, they mentioned the drive-in movie theater. Yes, they do. That's a reference really to nice. this issue. So we may give a lot of a lot of crap to the um, to the people who write the movies and you know script editors and everything for these uh, for these movies, especially Rise of the Beast. So these guys are doing some uh, some good research. Now, how it translates into a, you know a major motion picture that's different, but. Oh yeah, and it's never going to be a direct translation like this. Certainly yeah. wouldn't make a, a billion dollars. Oh god, no, because they'd stand around and talk about themselves for like you know thirty minutes. <laughs> but me, I'm really loud. It'll scare them. Me, I have uh, great flight skills, and you'll never catch me. And I, I, I use I, a lot of energy, but I have force fields. So yeah, I'm exactly. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I can protect you for like five minutes, but I'm all out of energy. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> tell you about the old days of Cybertron. Right. Um, yeah, honestly, though, I, I, I am a huge fan of a lot of the original toy designs. So looking at this in the book, uh, even like uh, when they're there at, um, they're talking to the astronomer, I think it's Jazz. I think, well, actually, no, it's Prowl. Prowl's there yeah. with them. Well, that's that gold robot that looks kind of like Prowl and that's Jazz. Right. He has like parts of both, but he's gold. So yeah, he like... has like the design. He has 
He has jazz as a like or jazz or slash prowl or slash blue streaks. Well, from the uh, waist up, ones. he's like yeah. From the waist up, he's uh prowl. Yeah, and then from the waist down, he's jazz. Yeah, so you have that old original like toy feet look, which is really cool. And you had the wings for the uh, for the doors and all that. Oh yeah, the, spoiler on the size. ankles. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like uh, the Hermes's wings on his feet. <laughs> yeah, actually, it kind of is. In <laughs> um, the uh, the the face of Optimus Prime looks a lot like those old Ladybird books too. It's oh yeah, very angular. Um, it does. You know, what we think of as Optimus Prime, you know, nowadays is out as very. It looks a little a little less samurai like, but mm-hmm. that original look is very samurai helmet looking. Oh yeah. So, definitely it would, obviously that's inspired by that because you know you look at gundam heads and all that they have a very stylized samurai looking face head yeah they, well but, his helmet looks like a ronin helmet yeah exactly yeah. so uh yeah you have that style and it's very pronounced in this because they went off of those designs and those designs are what they use for those ladybird books it's what they use for that original um that original uh toy ad that, that was coming out they uh they oh, didn't yeah. They didn't get very stylized like the like the old Sunbow cartoon, but they went very directly from the toys. Those kind oh, of yeah. well, they went and redesigned them completely when they did Sunbow. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and they standardized it somewhat. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem where people are like, "Well, this toy is terrible." No, it really wasn't. It was terrible because you were used to, like you said earlier, they they saw the cartoon before they got the toy. It was expectations. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't look like Ironhide or Ratchet. No, it doesn't. But they're really cool looking. Yeah, well, and they, because they were repurposed from Diaclone, they were meant to have a pilot. Yeah, <laughs> instead of a sticker face. Yeah, I'm actually one of the, those big apologists for the Ironhide and Ratchet toy. I think they're really cool. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually have one until I was an adult, and I went back like these are great. I've actually got to restore a uh, Ratchet right now because he's a little yellow. But I mean, they're those Half those gold. <laughs> <laughs> very limited. He's a gold variant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, like honestly this issue one is a lot better than i remember it mm-hmm. and it might be because um they've i've we realized like you're talking about all the things they've used in the, in the movies or things they've used later on in, in the in the in the mythos oh yeah this was their world building issue like they had to do a lot of heavy lifting in this <laughs> issue alone and they just did to, yeah just to establish the whole universe I mean, you even you can go from the the arc as uh, as you you reminded me. Um, the uh, showrunners for Beast Wars, uh, Bob Ford and Larry Dutilio, mm-hmm. they did a lot of uh, asking of fans. They kind of merged comic book and um, and the G one cartoon and all that. Yeah, together like this own little side universe. So Beast Wars doesn't really fit into the, the Generation One, you know, um, the world as much because it uses elements from the. Uh, from it the, it the takes comic. some from each, yeah. Yeah, so it's almost so it's almost like this its own, you know, alternate reality. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's kind of nice to see all those things come back. You can see where they got a lot of stuff. And um, I'm sorry, Auntie, that's that's obviously a, a reference to Mother from uh, Alien, right? Which is cool. They don't use it again. It just it was weird. It's very well. They use it a lot in the UK comics. Though. I was gonna say that was a very UK thing. Yeah, which you know we may want to dive into those. As we go, because there is a lot. 
I want to go, um, you know, everyone, sorry if uh, you get our, your hopes up, if you may not, I don't know, but we're going to the U.S. comic, but I think I might want to go divert into the uh, U.K. comic just to see how it differs, because I read the uh, U.S. comic, you know, when I was younger, mm-hmm. and um, I haven't I haven't read it from the beginning from the U.K. perspective, so I think it'll be a little more interesting. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be the, the new territory for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because well, there, there's yeah, a lot there. there. <laughs> I've read them all. Yeah. <laughs> really new for you, young fan. <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, well, well, honestly, even like, oh go ahead. No, I was saying the uh, the like what I like about the uh, the UK stuff is we get a lot of the better the later stories from the G one comics from the UK comics, right? Target like two thousand six, you know, and so on. Uh, Time Wars. Well, and they really flesh out the characters and just the universe itself a lot in these extra stories because they have basically doubled the issues. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they break each of the American comics into two issues. And then the other two issues, cause it was a weekly were yeah. UK exclusives and their entire arcs just based on auntie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, um, and also lest we forget death's head is in the UK, you know? Universe. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm all about some death's head. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> of course, Simon Furman being uh, the other main writer in that area. Uh, Zab- Zabgoth and I were just talking about Death's Head like last night, literally. Like we were digging through all the Death's Head lore that's oh, in man. there right now. Yeah. There's a lot. God. There's like five Death's Heads right now. Right now? Yeah. Are they just wandering out in the, uh, in the, the comic universes? Well, well, sometimes they team up, sometimes they don't. And they've got like a punk rock, like number five, they just call him V. And he's got like a mohawk. And <laughs> this is like in the, the current comics. And yeah, Death's Head 1 is still Transformer size. And is like dealing with like Shield and Sword and all those guys. Okay. Like he was a recurring character in Sword. I think I was more um, I was more uh, familiar with Death's Head 2. Who was actually, yeah. he was more human size. He would, you know, wander around doing stuff with uh, other aliens stuff that were like. Right, he's. He had the multiple personalities. Oh yes, like in his brain. Yeah, that he's he's the one I'm most familiar with, but I don't have a lot of understanding of Death Said, so it'll be kind of cool to see all that. Yeah, which also Death Said, I kind of you know merged in there with the Doctor Who universe, right? So by a manner of steps, you know, like the you know Seven Degrees of Seven Bacon kind of Kevin Bacon kind of way, Transformers and Doctor Who share the same universe. Oh yeah, well, and like the the sword comic is actually kind of referenced in the current Secret Wars series. Yep, because they talk about I don't know. Have you seen Secret Wars yet? Not oh, I know it's coming. Sorry, Secret Invasion. No, Secret I haven't Wars. seen it yet, but I was coming. Okay, well, they make reference to Saber. Okay, which is part of the Sword Project, mm-hmm. and that's where Deathhead like played a major role in the Marvel comics. There, so it may be an intro for Deathhead into the MCU. That'd be great. That would be cool. <laughs> That'd be some crazy CGI if they do him like they did in the comics, because he he was like he was still transformer size before he got shrinked down. That's gonna be that's gonna be wild, dude. There's, it's probably anyway. gonna um, be playing with a lot of um, licensing and whatnot. So we'll see how that all goes. But for right now, we're in transformers. So right, yeah. I know. I'll I'll get me on Death's Head. I'll get up on a tangent. Yeah, we can <laughs> spend a few hours talking about Death's Head. Really bad. So, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, this is uh, issue one, so I guess we're gonna jump over to UK after this. So, um, 
Uh, well, well I think you... for the, the first few issues, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I think their first eight issues is our four issues. It's after okay. that that it starts to, we start to get extra stories. Yeah, with the UKs, aren't they like essentially half issues with a lot of other uh, Yeah, they'll have supplementary stories in the back. Like uh, this one in UK number one had a Machine Man story oh, okay. in the back of it. So it was half Transformers, half Machine Man. So it's all robots. And they have a little short article about robots that like features like cinematic robots through history. It has like R2-D2 and C-3PO and <laughs> goes through all nice. that. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. A lot of like contests to win free Transformers, which man, we didn't get those. I would have loved no, to have got some of that action. <laughs> well, we just we just had stupid GoBot ads. No, I'm kidding. I, I was the Nestle uh, Quick looked ones. At, <laughs> looked at issue three. It was kind of cool to see the the monogram um, uh, model kit for GoBots. There, oh yeah, on the other page from uh, uh, I talked about on the AG fa- Facebook page uh, with the uh, first page of um, I think it was, I think it was issue three. It was yeah. So you, those oh, things. Four. It was four. Four. Yeah, last stand. That's right. It was the last stand. So yeah, you have all these things that existed together. It was a great time capsule because that's what we all had then. It was people say like, "Well, I hated GoBots." If you were alive that then, you, you probably didn't. You this is probably the thing like, "Well, we have we have Transformers at home." No, we don't. Those are GoBots. Yeah, those are those are Transformers. Um, that's that's what we you know we had. Oh, yeah. Well, I was into GoBots first because they came first. Yeah. And when I first saw Transformers ad on TV, which it was that old Transformers uh, commercial that had the Megatron where he looked like the comic. Yeah. And I saw I'm like, oh, these guys are ripping off GoBots. (laughs) That was my first thought when I saw anything Transformers. Oh, how the times have changed. Well, I'll tell you, a kid going to school had got Sideswipe and Optimus Prime for Christmas, and he mm-hmm. had them on the bus. And I looked at them, and I saw how big and, like, chunky they were, and they had rubber <laughs> tires and everything. And I was like, that was, like, when I first started leaning towards Transformers. I still loved GoBots and had a ton mm-hmm. of them. But when the Dinobots oh. came out, that's what sold me for Transformers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, honestly. Um... I've got Grimlock on my desk right now, so. <laughs> and Sludge. <laughs> I, I have a lot of the desk currently um so um and it's funny how how uh starscream the action master starscream looks closer to the starscream in the uh the comic than he does the, the original starscream looks like the one in the comic he uh the colors are really interesting in the in the episode or the uh, issue also because they hadn't quite gotten the color palette right oh yeah it was very reminiscent of a lot of early 80s rushed out you know, small properties well, and the, these things stuck throughout the series. I mean, it's Nel Yamtov, first of all, so who yeah. did like every issue of the G1 Marvel US comics. Um, so he did that uh, up until who did a lot of the later ones that like, I was talking to you the other night where they looked wet or they looked shiny all the time. Oh, that was still uh, Yamtov doing the colors. He did the colors from number one to 80. He did. Oh, wow. He okay. did the so full he, run. Yeah. So, he took, I mean, he took a he's also responsible for like the pink uh defensor and purple bruticus or God. blue bruticus yeah so but he he obviously took a style from somewhere else and like you know adapted that that style where they they look shinier they only honestly they looked well a lot of that was the inks from steven baskerville gave him that and then he would yeah. go along with the inks on that and it, yeah they came out like really wet looking. it's funny too they they always probably because there's a lot of um retenders and that a lot of the um the, the Transformers were had they were action masters at that time, so they looked like guys wearing pieces of armor. So oh, yeah, they that was Wildman. Like yeah, 
Yeah, Andrew Wilder. Yeah, he always looked. They always looked like they were yelling or pissed off. They had teeth, mouth full of teeth, like ah, oh spit coming out of their mouths. Oh, like yeah, oh, spit. Yeah, it was weird. Galvatron would... has drool. Yeah, it's, true. <laughs> um, it's funny looking at this early Transformers art, the penciling to issue eighty, how it changed. And then you go back and you go how it changed it into the Generation 2 comics. It went back to block your designs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it's kind of wild had all changed. Of course, you know, uh, you have other like Dreamwave is very blocky and, you know, almost, almost like, like blown up, like roided out. Inflatable. Like, yeah, inflatables. Yeah. Like they had, they had the, uh, the Claremont style, you know, Captain America, Optus Prime. <laughs> so, uh, and then, um, you know, you have like you go down to IDW where you get back. Sometimes they're blockier, sometimes they're more. I don't know. It looks like guys wearing armor again. Depends mm-hmm. on the, whoever's doing it. So you see a lot of transitions, different art styles over the years. So it's kind of neat to see this all. The purple sound wave really stood out because this is like the first time. He's, and he stays purple through a lot of the comic. Sometimes he's blue, but usually he's purple. Yeah. And he's even purple in G2. Yeah. G2 yeah I kind of wish we'd get like a Gen Select version of him, like a comic. Sound wave is purple. That would be, be really cool. cool. Um, you know, do like like a almost like a cycle. Actually, if you look at full tilt, the uh, it, you know, figure full tilt for uh, Trypticon, yeah, that's kind of the right shade of purple. That yeah, that'd be a good purple for him. And just do the um, I don't know, do that that Walmart exclusive uh, mold that turns into a cassette player. And right, do the, the one do no one can colors. get. Yeah, no joke. But do it in those <laughs> colors, and um, you know. Make an exclusive. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I've also... seen some customs where they repainted like the masterpiece sound oh, yeah. wave in those colors, and it looks great. I'm sure it does. And on, honestly, the uh, the face of Soundwave has a very stylized look, also. Mm-hmm. Probably because it, it looks more like the the toy uh, face than the show face. So. What's right. going to get a lot of that? So that you know, and that's the face that they based the Decepticon symbol on. <laughs> yep. Hundred yeah. percent. You can see it actually. Uh, the G two symbol is even more like Soundwave's face. Yeah, I mean they, they just pretty much took a took a line art of uh, Soundwave's face and like that's the Generation two symbol. And then then they took Prowl's face for the Autobot symbol. Prowl's face? Yeah, it's Prowl's face. Even the little lines on his cheeks and everything. It's huh. stylized Prowl face. And I kind of thought it was Optimus Prime's face more, but I, I'll look at that. Well, the 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 G one G two was Optimus oh. Prime's face. Yeah, yeah, G one. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, yeah, I can see that really well now. I think about it. Yeah, G two is definitely Optimus Prime's face. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. And you gotta wonder how that worked out. Like, hey, you guys, um, you're all gonna wear my face on you now. (laughs) I'm I'm your I'm I'm your humble leader, but you're gonna wear a face, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're gonna know who sent you. (laughs) But it was weird that then the G two Decepticons wore Sandwich's face. Yeah, I think they were still like developing like who was going to be in charge. Yeah. yeah, the guy who has all the uh cassettes, man, that guy should be in charge. No, I got a bigger gun. Okay, well, fine, you're in charge. <laughs> all right, well, uh, I'm going to end this here, but uh, we're going to be working on more issues. So uh, we're going to the G to the uh, the UK issue so we can get a little more fleshed out. So this was a good start, I could see why it, it took off as well as it did. Yeah, you know, I I gave a lot of crap to the old uh, old issues, but I haven't read these in a couple decades, and they're really good. Um, it's very reminiscent of early '80s. It's definitely know. '80s comics. It is Wall of Text, 
and on on top of that it's like any other they thing they they didn't think of they didn't know if it was going to actually take off so here here's a pet project Robotics was the same way. Um, I'm sure there are other, um, you know, oh, GI Joe, yeah, Joe, you know, which that, yeah, Micronauts, they were, yeah. they all kind of did that same thing. It was like, here, here's all the world in two pages. <laughs> here's all the characters in two more pages. Right. Well, yeah. this was supposed to be a limited series. They thought it'd go like four issues max and they were going to wash their hands of it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor fools. Right. <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> 40 <laughs> years later. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, I'm going to go ahead and cut it here. And uh, I want to thank everyone for checking us out. Uh, we'll continue working on this as a, as a side to what going on the G1 uh, episodes uh, from Sunbow. And, uh, you know, check out the show notes. There's Discord that's pretty active in there. Uh, you have a, a Facebook page. You can email us at uh, more than guys at gmail.com or ed hates transforms at gmail.com. Uh, there's if you feel like you like the show and you want to help out at all, there's a Patreon that's been pretty much. I'm leaving that alone in case we have a catastrophic failure of a hard drive or something. So right. that's kind of our slush fund. <laughs> so thanks oh, for yeah. everyone for helping out with that stuff. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, I guys, have a quote. Oh, you had a quote, please, by all means. Look at them below, contented fools, ripe for our conquest. Ah, uh, Ravage. That's nice. Ravage. That's the first spoken dialogue in Transformers. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah. I Ravage, who doesn't talk in the show at all. <laughs> oh, he does once. <laughs> does he? Yeah. Uh, when he's in Soundwave and he's telling oh, him about the true. rocket base. Yeah. And then that's it. Technically, yes, he does talk, I guess. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to end it here. So we all take it easy and have a great night or a day or wherever you're at. And thanks for listening as always. Have a good one. <laughs> a lot of one, y'all. Bye. <laughs>